Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. It is another rendition of Catch and Shoot. My name is Aaron Berlin. Join alongside with my co-host. His name is Otto Strong. Coming up on today's show, we will talk all things NBA playoffs, including what is going on with the Bucks and Giannis in a potential post-season free agency talk. We will also talk Lakers and Rockets and playoff Rondo, a little bit of steez with the one and only Bruce Bernstein. But before we get to all that, I have to welcome him in. He is the one. He is the only. His name is Otto Strong. Otto, how's it going, my man? Doing all right. Enjoying these playoffs. I can't believe we're still COVID-free in the bubble. Congratulations. I'm, I'm giving all props to you because you're the, you, know, you live in Orlando. You're the closest I got to reaching anybody. So congratulations. Well, nice so what, you, what you don't see is I've actually been down at the campus in between each show, just kind of making sure that everyone is wearing their masks. You know, they're sanitizing, mm-hmm. like we say, that they're mm-hmm. doing their little songs in between. So, yeah. Yep. I am completely the reason everyone is COVID-19 free. So I appreciate that. And I will put on my COVID free hat. <laughs> but needless to say, how's your week going, my man? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a week, you know, so uh, we've got a Dallas Cowboys opening on, on Sunday night and we're expecting uh, players to kneel, which will be the first time that uh, that has happened in the Jerry Jones regime regime. I could go on and on and on, but I won't. So we're going to, this podcast is about basketball. You know it and I know it. So let's, let's just jump into all the good stuff we've been seeing in the last couple of days. Man, these, so. these playoffs are unlike anything we've seen in the last few years, right? You know, the, the old uh, story and the old adage, I feel like with the NBA playoffs a lot of times and specifically NBA teams is you kind of know the script before it finishes and you know which teams mm-hmm. more than likely are going to win a series. I don't know what's going on in this round of NBA playoffs. And I don't know if it's the bubble. I don't know if it's the neutral courts, but this is the most engaged I've been in every playoff series in a long, long time. I feel so lost in a sense. And it's like, they're just, you know, kind of hanging on what is going to happen. Now at the same time, we kind of feel like, kind of feel like we know what the conference finals is going to look like, but at the same time is, this stuff is the level of drama here is is way higher than I was expecting back when we were talking about bubble a couple months ago. Yeah. So, so full disclosure, we record this show on a Tuesday. It drops on a Wednesday, and so when we're we're recording this, the Bucks will have not have played their game five. We do know that Giannis will be out. But before we touch on Giannis, if I were to tell you 
four months ago or in March, you know, however long that goes, it seems like it was forever, six months ago, mm-hmm. when the NBA went on its hiatus and the Milwaukee Bucks would be down 3-1 in the Eastern Conference semifinals, would you have ever imagined this was possible to the Miami Heat? Uh, no, and, and then the, the other kind of uh, sidebar here is that, and that the, one of the dominating conversations of the day is that Giannis may not be long from Milwaukee. <laughs> like, where did yeah. this come from? You know, he was, he was the guy that, that you know, it, the, the, the team, the city were going to build around him, and he was going to be a long-timer for, for the city. He loves the city. The city loves him. But we find ourselves in a very different place right now, and, and lots of talk about whether he will be um, signing the Supermax or not. And I don't know. My, my world has just been shattered, man. I don't know. It, it, it's a weird scenario, and it goes back to, you know, the players have all the power in the world right when they construct the team it's so star dominated that dominated that where Giannis goes everyone else is going to follow because he's one of the top two players in the league right now you know like you think of the top five guys the first two that reel off the top of your head are easily Giannis and LeBron there's no ifs ands or buts about it mm-hmm. where Giannis goes will determine an NBA franchise's future much how like when LeBron chose to Miami to go to Miami that determined the Heat's future and so that is why this is such a big story. And for people who say, well, he's not a free agent until 2021. Well, this is the summer that he can potentially sign that Supermax and really settle in with Milwaukee. Because if he doesn't sign the Supermax, then everybody else gets an opportunity next summer, which is where he's going to have to answer it all next year. And Giannis isn't a guy who likes to answer questions like that. And so in the back of your mind, it all relates to how this playoff series goes. For the Bucks, and you know them not having him in Game Five, and I think them seeing what they could do without him in Game Four was a big lift for them to show that Chris Middleton could step up in a situation like that, that he could be, you know, the guy that they go to. And I thought he was tremendous, and maybe that shows to Giannis that Middleton is a worthy running mate for him in the future. Yeah, and don't look past Bledsoe. I mean, he had, from I mean, the way he's been playing this series of late has been really impressive. Um, yeah, I, I would love to say that, you know, Giannis will just, you know, come back to the Bucks and, you know, every, every, cause that just feels like, like home, you know, like you just want to see him, you know, out there. But, uh, but, you know, Middleton has been far away and been playing great. And I, I just don't, I would hate for it to kind of come down to whatever happens in this series. I mean, that, that would be the shame of it all. Does because feel, I don't feel like this, you know. Does this feel reminiscent of when KD left the Thunder and mm-hmm. almost like a personality change? Because the KD we know today is not the KD that we knew in OKC. Well, I mean, look, it would have to depend on, on I think, where KD goes. You know, I mean, the whole, a lot of it was that KD went to the champs. You know, he joined the team, you know, he joined the team, that it was basically sitting on top of the world. Um, now, I mean, you know, Giannis has been mentioned to, 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 to join the Warriors, possibly not the champs, but they're certainly loaded when, if or they were to healthy. to join the team that they're playing right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the other thing that it's going to do, and it's going to, I mean, as a, as, a, as a New Yorker, you know, lifelong New Yorker or former New Yorker, however you want to describe, describe child in New York, uh, it's going to give the 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 New York city tab was just a, like a year's worth of will he or won't he, <laughs> you know, like, you know, so Astoria is a Greek for those who don't know, it's a Greek community in, um, in, uh, in New York city. It's, it's uh, Northwest Queens where my mom grew up. It's great, great restaurants, Greek and otherwise, but 
I could just imagine like doing the hard sell to get Giannis to come to New York and all of that, you know, when, when, you know, if he does, um, you know, say, okay, I'm going to entertain offers, what that would mean across, you know, for every city across the country, any NBA town across the country. It goes back to what does it mean for small market basketball teams, right? Like the conversation specifically in the NBA has centered for years about stars can make their own markets, you know, with the way social media is with the way the NBA television contracts are structured. It really doesn't matter what market you're in to be a global phenomenon phenomenon. I mean, Milwaukee is probably one of the bottom five markets in the NBA, right? And Giannis is one of the top two stars in the league marketability wise as well. So, you know, it, it just goes back to the adage of do players want to play in small markets? And if a player like Giannis leaves a city like Milwaukee one, what does that do to that franchise? And what is that saying about the viability of even with these super maxes that, you know, the NBA instilled a few years ago in hopes of small markets being able to retain their young talent. And, you know, I really think only a handful of players have accepted one. I know Russell Westbrook was one. The other one uh, was John Wall in D.C. But, you know, it's, it's a clear sign that if these players are still not accepting these offers, then what's it say to be a small market in the NBA right now? Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. I mean, you know, we, we, we kind of thought there was some parity there for a while because of how, you know, I'm obviously going back some years, but how well, uh, you know, OKC did. They got to the finals, I think it was 2012 with, Westbrook and Durant and a, and a, and a Harden who, I mean, it seems kind of blows my mind that they actually were on the same team for a little while, but, but I mean, LeBron went back to Cleveland. Um, obviously that was not a, a small market situation that was kind of yeah. going home to, to win one for the, for the home, you know, for the home squad. So it, it's not exactly the same thing, but I do get where you're coming from. Um, you know, and there's no, you know, this is not like he's going to go to Miami necessarily. There there would be questions there. You know, I think Jimmy Butler very much likes being the alpha dog there. So, and I'm not saying that would be a reason that Giannis would or would not go, but it, you know, it would certainly change, um, you know, a number of things. And you know, Toronto was another team that you now Toronto obviously is a cosmopolitan city, but it's, it's not seen. I think most people would agree. It's not seen as one of the large, you know, kind of obviously clearly not American, but not yeah. one of the basketball meccas that we think of when we think of big cities. Well, there's, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of obstacles for players to play in Toronto, right? Yeah. Like the road trips are longer because you have to come back and go through customs. There's a lot of things that are different about playing in Toronto that if you're not from Toronto or if you weren't drafted there, that you know being a visiting team you see as a nuisance kind of when you go in there. Yeah, or if so, you're not, you know, or if you're not American to begin with, you, you may not feel that that sense of you know, like, okay, well, it's just you know, the, the, it's. If, if you're not American, it's a foreign team. In, in your eyes, it's a foreign team to begin with. So, yeah. you know, so, yeah. Absolutely. So we'll close the Giannis conversation on this. Can a Giannis and Jimmy Butler combo work together? Uh, or a Giannis and Lowry combo in Toronto? Do you think those two can work together? Uh, I think Giannis Lowry makes more sense from an ego standpoint than a, than a, than a Butler Giannis uh, standpoint and, and I, and I'm, you know, and Jimmy, and I just know of him. I don't know him. I mean, seems, it seems like, you know, he wants to win above, above all, but at the, at the same time, I know he likes, I know he likes being the number one option. So, and I think everybody, I think everybody knows that much about, about Jimmy Butler. So what does that mean? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. 
Jimmy Butler is enjoying the Heat being his team. He's enjoying oh, running yeah. the show there. He doesn't want to share the stage with anyone. But I'm sure Jimmy Butler wouldn't mind, you know, if you got an NBA championship, you got a ring, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't yeah. be bad. Okay, so we've talked about the Eastern Conference. Let's shift over to the Western Conference. Let's talk about another team that's trying to vie for an NBA championship. That would be the Los Angeles Lakers. And the other night, you know, Rondo is one of those guys who just keeps giving the league memorable moments. You know, he is well past his all-star days. And, you know, being the level of a defender that he was as a Celtic. But this dude was six months removed from NBA basketball, Otto. Plays one game in which he looked a little shaky. Comes out the other night against the Rockets and outplays Russell Westbrook. What is it with Rondo and him giving us these types of moments when they matter? Rondo has always been a competitor. Uh, obviously, you know, people would, would have taken knocks on his shooting. And I think in some weird way, or maybe not a weird way, but in some way he, he kind of uses that or channels that energy to play incredible uh, defense. I mean, I think he picked Harden's pocket. He was like intercepting balls. I mean, he looked more like a DB out there <laughs> picking off passes, um, that, you know, than that a guard. I mean, threading the needle as, as like only – Maybe five players. I mean, Harden, LeBron, a couple of other guys. He just looked for so, as you say, for someone who hasn't been out there in as long as he has 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 missed. He looked like he hadn't missed any time at all. Yeah, he played twenty nine minutes the other night for the Lakers, and during his time, they outpaced the Rockets by twenty eight points while he was on the floor. So, the, the old adage is like, how much could he really add? Right? Like, like this is a player who's well past the prime of his career who had not played in six months, they're still trying to ramp up his minutes. How much of a difference does he make for that Lakers team? Oh, my God. Well, you know, considering they don't have um, Avery Bradley with them, um, that's – I mean, that's huge. I mean, I don't know – I don't know where they would be in this series without, without him, which is crazy to say because I don't think anybody – looking at how um, the Lakers dispatched the, you know, the Trailblazers, I didn't think that – I mean, not that they were going to be handed the series, but you know, he has been—he's been vital to you know to uh, you know to them in the series you know, thus far. Even, even the game they lost, they, they, they you know, played really well and, and you know, had them had in there. So, um, you know, the, the question I have for you is, you know, can is he going to is he going to be the guy that that has he got the gas for for potentially a six or seven game series? Yeah, that, you know, and. So players always have like that one or two game spurt when they first get back, but then their legs start getting heavy the more minutes that you play. And you wonder, guy playing 29 minutes after not playing for six months, what that does to him down the road, you know, how much does fatigue set in? But one thing that that really stuck out to me when I was watching that game is, you know, Rondo has never been a confident three-point shooter. And, you know, the biggest difference between him and Westbrook in that game the other night, and, and look, I fully understand that Westbrook is one of the most polarizing players in the NBA. Like, he's going to have monstrous games, but then he's also going to have games on the other side of the spectrum that just make you want to pull your hair out, and you're like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. And, you know, the, the other night was one of them where he just seemed like he could not connect on anything. He's taken ill-advised threes where that's almost – you know, the brilliance of Rondo, because when he came into the league, it wasn't a strong three-point shooting league, right? Like point guards weren't expected to shoot the ball the way that they are now. And so almost him realizing it helps them on another level that sometimes I don't think that the Rockets necessarily have with the Harden-Westbrook small ball trio. 
Well, I think with, with Westbrook, I mean, with, at least what it seems to me, is that he just has it in his head that he's going to make, you know, make the next, look, all shooters think they're going to make the next shot. Um, I don't know if I would go so far as to call him a shooter. And with the number of shooters that they have out there, I think they need to do, maybe do a, perhaps a better job just to disperse the ball and, and find the guys who are the, who are the pure shooters. And if you're, look, if, you're, if it's not falling for you, if you're having, you know, one for five, one for six, and you're going to, I think, one point he was one for eight. I mean, at that point, you know, it's time to get other guys involved. You know, just put your head down. You know, he's, he's still, he's still, you know, not an old guy. He can still put his head down, drive a basket, put opportunity yeah, for other guys. Because what, Westbrook is 31 at this point? And look, you know, the thing that I've always loved about Westbrook is there's no other dude in the league that'll take the basketball and say, regardless of size, regardless of strength, I'm going to run downhill and I'm going to get by you and I'm going to take this ball to the rack and I'm going to win this game for my team. Like that is always how Russell Westbrook has played the game. And I've envied it for as long as I can remember. Like I've always thought that he is just one of the meanest dudes. You know, he's got that same kind of like Dame Lillard mentality when he's on the basketball court, like nobody else is going to beat me. But you know, sometimes that's why teams don't win series, right? Because if you have too many of those guys, ultimately you can't <laughs> win a long series against a really good team. And so it's weird. Like you praise the guy on one end, but then you realize that sometimes you can't win a championship playing that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone's got to know, you know, you're playing a team game. You guys got the hot hand. You know, surrounded by shooters. You know, pop the ball out, find some, find, find something else that can make a shot. And, you know, otherwise just, just put, like, look, he played, it's not that he doesn't play hard. Uh, I would say maybe playing smart, you know, at, at certain times would, would be, maybe be more the issue. But, um, but yeah, he was you know, going back to his OKC days. I mean, he's always been a, a bad, a bad man. <laughs> we have a uh, special guest. Uh, he is special because he's our boss. Uh, <laughs> but he is also, no, in all seriousness, in all, he's also special because, um, he is uh, a producer of the show. His name is Bruce Bernstein. You know him. You love him. He works on several shows on Peer Groups Media. But he is on with us today in a different capacity, and that is to talk about the Boston Celtics and their run to, I think, uh, a championship. Right, Bruce? You are a Celtics fan, so we're not trying to hide anything here. I mean, I'm looking for banner number 18. I wouldn't go so far as to say they're going to win it this year. However, uh, the signs are definitely trending upward for them, and they are a very young team, but uh, one with some playoff experience. And for, and for those who are, who are looking at us uh, through video, this, the signs behind you are, are there's several banners, which I, which I commented on earlier. But Bruce is actually the only person that's allowed in the garden right now. No, he's the only one that is there. They're all just envious of the fact that he drove to Boston to do this show for us from the garden. So would a, would a, would a bubble in Boston be called a bu bubble or a bubble? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how people in Boston would pronounce bubble with their accent, but I think they would probably say bubble. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Bruce, let's start talking about this really interesting series between the Celtics and the Raptors. You know, this was the series that Boston sprinted out to a 2-0 lead. I remember talking on this show with you a few weeks ago that it kind of seemed like had the Raptors lost game three, then it would have been a sweep. You know, Raptors kind of, for lack of a better term, clawed their way back into this series as dinosaurs do. But where do you feel about how this series has played out over the last few games? I think the performance by Boston on Monday night was basically uh, – 
I think Boston is now in very strong position to win. You would never count Toronto out because they are one of the grittiest teams out there, uh, led by Kyle Lowry, who is on the all-grit Hall of Fame team, as far as I'm concerned. But I think that uh, Toronto's in some trouble, and it wouldn't shock me at all if it were to finish up on, uh, on Wednesday night. What was the biggest difference between those last few games? You look at what the Raptors did in games three and four compared to game five. What did Toronto do that kind of bothered the Celtics a little bit? Well, they were making threes. I mean, the three-point shot for Toronto wasn't really going in for them the first two games. Then, of course, they had the Ananobi special three at the end of game three. And then game four, they made a bunch. But what I saw in game five that was, to me, one of the keys to the game, it's not something that a lot of people will necessarily agree with. But in games three and four, Kyle Lowry was super aggressive. He was getting to the rim. He was getting through Boston's defense. and He was finishing a lot of the shots at the rim. But in game five, I, they clearly made an effort to not let him finish at the rim. Every time he started to break them down and was going to the basket, Daniel Tice was there with his hands straight up waiting for him. And Kyle had to kind of change his direction and look for somebody to bail out a pass to. And nobody was really making any shots for those guys. So uh, to me, stopping Kyle Lowry uh, from penetrating and breaking them down or finishing himself was a huge uh, you know, factor for Boston in game uh, five. So Bruce, I, I, look, I, I think you like their chances to win one of these next two. I'm just for the sake of argument, let's say they, they do do that in advance. Uh, what do you think of their chances to, uh, to get to the NBA finals? Obviously they're, they could, you know, face uh, um, you know, either, either Milwaukee or, or Miami. But based on that, what are your thoughts? I mean, it looks to me like they're going to get Miami. And to me, uh, Boston has never figured out a way to stop Giannis. I mean, they're just, you know, as good as Tice has been on defense, he's never been able to, 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 to stop Giannis. So I think Boston would actually not be, you know, too upset playing Miami. But look at what Miami has done. I mean, you talk about a gritty team. I mean, they, they have it in, you know, at it pretty much yeah. every position on the floor. Yeah. And they can shoot threes. And they're extremely well coached. And they've got an alpha dog with Jimmy Butler. Uh, plus some legitimate tough guys on their team. I mean, Jay Crowder, former Celtic, knows Boston yeah. pretty well. Um, Bam Adebayo's done a really nice job in all aspects of the game. So, to me, that's... That's a, a series that I think will be extremely entertaining, and I think that's the matchup we're going to see. Yeah, does, it, yeah. does it surprise you guys, and this is for both of you, how gritty that Heat team became in one year with Jimmy Butler? You know, I, I think back to some of the last few renditions of that Heat squad that we've seen, and, you know, I, I wouldn't call them – really, I, I thought a lot of those teams lacked some kind of personality. Like, you had Goran Dragic, you had uh, Hassan Whiteside, and, like, Whiteside was good defensively, but I never thought they had much of a personality. One year with Jimmy Butler, and it feels like this Heat team is so different from the last few that we've seen. Uh, I'll jump in. I, I definitely think that, that uh, Jimmy has found a home um, in Miami. I mean, you know, his, his former stops uh, just it didn't really feel right, or at least it didn't feel like this. Uh, and I think that the combination of, of Spode, you know, and, and, and Bam is just, you know, along with the shooters, 
um, to, to me, it's just, it's just been the kind of the, I don't know, the working together, the, the meld, the, how are you, that, that, well, it, perf- that perfect. Well, know, it, yeah. it goes to show how important a head coach is, right? Yeah. Like, like we talked about that with the Sixers a few weeks ago. Like how much of a difference can Brett Brown really make with that squad? Well, when you have a player who is, you know, uh, working together well with a coach and respects him and their schemes flow together, like it makes all the difference. And so that, that's kind of just what is amazing to me. So many people will sit here and say that head coach in the NBA doesn't matter. This is a clear example of a coach like Eric Spolstra meshing well with Jimmy Butler and it's showing with that heat team. That organization is so strong. I remember after the 2018, 2019 season, you mentioned Goran Dragic a few minutes ago. Goran Dragic had a player option for this season at $19 million. Okay. Uh, And I remember last year at the end of the season, people were saying, gee, you know, Miami's probably hoping that he opts out. Well, well, they, he was they tried to gonna, trade him at one point. There were reports that he was involved in a few different deals. Right. And he was never going to opt out because nobody was going to sign him for $19 million this year. But you know what? Goran Dragic has arguably been a huge performer for that team. Definitely in the Indiana series. He's led the team in scoring a couple of times along the way. Very steady on the floor. Doesn't really turn the ball over. You know, plays a, a veteran point guard role on that team where there are some guys that are, you know, can be a little bit, you know, more volatile. He's like Mr. Calm. I mean, he's like even keel all the way. So, uh, and their general manager, Allie, Andy Ellensburg, I mean, is just a master capologist. They spend their money wisely. I mean, that's a model franchise in the NBA right now. Yeah. And they like to tell you how many rings they have. You'll never meet anyone from that organization who fails to mention how many rings they have in the last 10 or 15 years. That's, that's my spiel. Anyway. All right, guys, I want to ask you a little bit about what's going on in the Western conference, specifically with the Clippers as well as the Nuggets. This is a series that, you know, I think we've had maybe differing opinions on how the Clippers have done so far in the bubble defensively. I think a lot of people have had questions. I felt like they found something in the final eight minutes of that game two against the Nuggets where they really picked it up. Bruce, do you feel like maybe the Clippers have finally flipped the switch? Yeah, I do. I'm, I mean, I'm sticking with my original preseason prediction of the Lakers uh, coming out of the West and actually winning it all. But yeah, I mean, for a while, Paul George was having trouble kind of getting his act together. But in the last couple games, he really has uh, turned his own personal game around. So uh, as one of the best two-way players in the game, he's actually showing it now. I mean, he's just been terrific for them. Almost as important, if not equally as important as Kawhi Leonard. Well, the the Clippers have have looked like they're – I certainly have not all been on the same page, you know, for, for most of these playoffs. And uh, I don't think that while I'm not taking anything away from the, from the you know, victory, uh, Denver, I would say is probably the, the one team that I feel like is not um, last team standing uh, material. You know, they would be in, they wouldn't be in my, my, my top group. So, you know, whether I, we could uh, evaluate a, a how well the, the Clippers are, are meshing based on what we've seen them do against Denver I don't know. I w- I'd prefer to see it if uh, you know against uh, Houston or or or, or the Lakers. Uh, obviously, my my pick would probably be more more Lakers um, with with Bruce on that. 
but um, but yeah, I mean they, they definitely have uh, you know, talented guys, and, and Doc is you know an amazing coach. We talked about coaches earlier. He's he's he's, an, he's another guy who inspires guys to you know draws draws great play out of uh, out, of, out of guys. But I just don't. I I want I want to kind of I want to see him like you know drop the hammer and, and close him out and not and not have this seesaw back and forth uh, again. Yeah, and, and that's my biggest concern with what we've seen from the Clippers so far in the playoffs. And let's start with this. So you're lifeless, maybe not lifeless, but defensively you're not as good as you could have been for those first 40 minutes in game two. I mean, if you look at what they did over the last eight minutes of that basketball game, it was tremendous. It was like they were a completely different team. But you can't win playoff games or you can't continue to win games playing that way. You can't just expect that your defense is going to show up. Can the Clippers, I'll put it this way, can the Clippers realistically win an NBA championship if they play the way that they did in game two sporadically like they did against a team like the Lakers? I would say that they absolutely could. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the one thing we've, we've seen is that, you know, three-point shooting um, may or may not be there for 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 teams, and if the yeah. and if your shooting is just not there, or or a couple of key guys are are off, I mean, look, I, I don't have the stats in front of me. These games, for the most part, have been. I mean, all of the games in the bubble have been close on average. Uh, obviously, there have been some 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 blowouts and lopsided scores, but it's been a much. Um, now, I don't know if it's, that's the, the no travel thing. I don't know if that's the you know not playing on on the on the you know the home floor and all the home court advantage. But uh, I think that you probably could, you know, uh, play, you know, eight, eight good minutes and, and walk away with, walk away with a victory in a game, which might be enough to walk away with a victory in a series. With the depth that the Clippers have, because now they have the whole band back together with Montrez yeah. Harrell and Lou Williams coming off the bench and, and uh, just finally having their top eight all on available at the same time. Their record is tremendous. And defense never takes a night off. And in order to be successful in the playoffs, you have to bring your defense every night. So uh, I definitely I, – I don't give Denver a whole lot of chance to beat the Clippers in this series. And then hopefully, you know, the Lakers are going to take care of business against Houston. And we're going to get what I was hoping for all year long, which is some L.A. on L.A. Uh, basketball uh, to go to the finals. Yeah, I feel like that's the way it's going. And I also feel like your Celtics, we're going to be talking about them in the Eastern Conference Finals, Bruce. Thanks so much for stopping by. It's always a blast to have you here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully uh, by the time the Conference Finals roll around, if Boston can close out Toronto, we'll have uh, Gordon Hayward back in there. So then we'll really mm -hmm. be at full strength. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Bruce. That was dope. <laughs> I tell you what, Otto, it's always good when our guy Bruce Bernstein drops by. And who knows? Maybe he'll be somewhere else in the garden next week. Maybe in the locker rooms. It's like, where in the world is Bruce Bernstein this week? But, you know, hopefully we get a good end to that Celtics and Raptors series. And, you know, we're talking a little bit more C's as they look to advance onto the Eastern Conference Finals. Absolutely. Well, my, so my where in the world is where in the world will Aaron Berlin be on Thursday? Because we've got... The Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, your Kansas City Chiefs, uh, taking, taking the field for the first time. And we're going to have, at, at the very least, uh, a game four with the Lakers and Rockets. So what, what's a man to do? Well, you know, I'm going to have the Chiefs on the big screen. 
And then I'm actually going to bring in my computer screens and I'm going to watch that game on my computer screen. So, you know, a nice little two screen setup, doing it all, taking it all yeah. in. But after yeah. the Chiefs received their Super Bowl championship rings last week, it'll just be nice to watch Patrick Mahomes take the field again. You know, we already crushed the Texans in the playoffs last year when we came back from 24 yeah. nothing. So, you know, what's, yeah. uh, you know, what's just crushing their dreams to start the season one more time? <laughs> Well, uh, we, yeah, this show is nothing about crushing people's dreams. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so on that note, we have reached another conclusion of the uh, end of our show, Cactus U 2.0. Thanks, everyone, for, for listening. want to give a shout out to our producers, Scott Turkin, uh, Bruce Bernstein, who, again, thank you for joining us today, and our editor, Tom Phillips. Otto, it's always good to have you back, my man. These shows are so much more fun when you're here. And if you have not checked out the rest of our programming, we highly suggest that you do this. The Mike Weiss Show is, I love listening to it each and every week. His guest this week is Mark Kestersher, the voice of the NBA on ESPN. If you have not listened to his work, what have you been doing? Why have you not been listening to more NBA basketball on the radio? And then next week, he's going to follow that up with ESPN's Cassidy Hubbard. It's a back-to-back ESPN jam-packed hour with the Mike Weiss Show. That is always a tremendous listen. Tuesdays is Full Court Press with John Fanta and Kim Adams. This week, John took a much-needed vacation. He has just been pounding out great episode after great episode. It's a worthy listen. Wednesdays is where you get all your NBA news and nuggets with Otto and myself as we cover the NBA playoffs. Thursdays is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. And as always, we round out our week with the Pure Hoops podcast with Eric Newman and BJ Armstrong. We do like to remind you that if you enjoy our shows, you like listening to them, you enjoy what we're doing on Instagram, Twitter, just hit that like button subscribe, and then share it with all your friends. You guys have no idea what that does for our shows. We really appreciate it. Hey, and as we, uh, as summer turns into fall, uh, we want to remind all you guys to mask up. You know, coronavirus is not going away, or at least it won't go away on its own. We have to do our part, social distance, uh, and just make sure, wash hands. You know, you, you know the rest, you know the spiel. So uh, be safe. And until next time, take care, everybody. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.